if you were on a deserted island, you could have one chapter of the Bible. There are a lot of contenders up for that. But Romans 12 is probably number one on my list. Along with Colossians 3, Ephesians 5, Psalm 119, Romans 12 is probably the top of that list. And I'm going to read the whole chapter. So settle in. Don't let your mind wander. Look, anything I say is potentially, possibly corrupt or wrong because I'm in the flesh. But when I'm reading you the Bible, I can't be wrong. Amen? Amen. So if you're going to listen to anything, <clears throat> listen to the Word. I'm reading from the New International Version. Please avoid getting in long-term spitting arguments about versions of the Bible. There is one version I would, I would caution you about. You have to use it very prudently and judiciously, and that is the Message Bible. All right? Let's get into this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I always tell you that worship is not a set of songs to music. Worship is a way of living. Worship is everything we do. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. But by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. And each member belongs to all the others. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If you've always wondered where preachers refer to the motivational gifts in the Bible, here they are. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Stop a minute. Don't answer this question. Do not answer. What is the proof that a prophet is a prophet? If I ask that question, in 95% of the churches in America, almost every churchgoer will say, if his prophecy comes to pass, and that is not the first criterion of a prophet. The first, read Deuteronomy chapter 12, the first criterion of a prophet is that his doctrine lines up with the Bible. In the last days, Revelation 13 says, the false prophet is going to come, he's going to announce a miraculous sign, fire from heaven, and it's going to happen. So miraculous signs and even fulfilled prophecies don't necessitate legitimacy in the ministry of a prophet. Doctrinal purity and accuracy, adherence to the principles of the Word of God, the five words we talk about at this church all the time, what does the Bible say? That is the great identifier of a true prophet of God. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. Love got to be real, baby. That's paraphrase. Hate what is evil. Do you hate what is evil? I'm not talking about people. Some of you go, yeah. Not people. The spirit of wickedness in the world. The actions, sin. I used to have a board member, his name was Jeff, and I'd say, what's wrong with the world, Jeff? And he'd go, sin, just like that. It was great. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. 
It's not just enough to say no. We have to say yes too. Be devoted to one another in love. Oh, let's say that one two times. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. What is zeal? Zeal is not a new soap. Zeal is passion, intensity, fervor, excitement. I can't wait to get to church. You ought not to come to church like the song of the Volga boatman. Da, 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 da. You ought to come to church prayed up, excited, ready to get on with the program of worship and praise God. You ought to be eager to come to church. You ought to can't wait to get in the presence of God. It ought to be the most exciting moment of your week to come into the house of God and put your hands in the air and get free in your worship and let it be real and genuine. We ought to love church. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. Common sense Christianity. Now, before I get into this and we drill down into it, I want to let you know that I am not, to my knowledge, addressing problems that are in our church in some rampant fashion. But I believe in the old adage, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Anytime you have a bunch of folks gathered up in the same room, sometimes even if it's just two, you're going to have differences of opinion. You're going to have issues. And if we're going to grow and continue to grow as a church, you know, I think sometimes I'm going to say something that's going to sound weird, but I, I kind of believe this. I think sometimes it's possible to over-spiritualize Christianity. I think sometimes we can be so heavenly-minded we're no earthly good. Amen. I think sometimes we can take the Bible and parse it Chop it up in little sections. You ever, you ever seen people on social media get into a Bible war? One of them, one of them like, like old catapults launching it at armies across a field, you know. Well, Romans 12, 1 says this. Yeah, well, Galatians 5, 6 says, come on, what's wrong with us? How many of you would love to see our church packed out every time the doors are open? Amen. Well, let me tell you something. I want you to hear this with all my heart. We're going to have fun in this message today, but I do want you to know that in the, in the bottom of my soul, I'm very, very serious about it. But I've tried to do it in a way that's not so heavy, but still gets the point across. The Bible says, how can we say we love God whom we have not seen and hate or not love or don't care about our fellow man whom we have seen? So I want to talk about not I want to talk about the impact of the vertical on the horizontal. Because this all everything in life is spiritual. I believe that. Everything in life is spiritual. But if 
We are the people we say we are. Now, hang with me on this, guys. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is come, gone, the new has come. Amen? Amen. If we, are full, we have the mind of Christ, right? We're a new creation, right? If that's true, then every person that walks around that corner and comes into this sanctuary, every person we meet in the marketplace, every person we come in contact with out in the world, not just in here, out in the world, we have an obligation to be Jesus Christ to them as much as we can. Sometimes we're the only Jesus they're going to hear. We're the only Jesus they're going to feel. We're the only Jesus they're going to see. And we, if we expect the whole world to come in here, we, we missed it. The, the Great Commission is go. I want us being real Christians. And listen, if we are who we say we are vertically, it's going to have an impact in the way we treat people horizontally, yes? yes. I've been married to my wife, the one who was leading worship here, the, the beautiful one who doesn't look a day over 25. <clears throat> I've been married to her going on 37 years this year. And I love her to pieces. I just can't be around her enough. I just can't wait to get around her and just hang out. Sometimes we just, like we're teenagers, sit there and look at each other and listen to each other breathe. It's really cool. Because we love each other, it affects the way we treat each other. We do not. Listen, I'm going to just be straight with you. I, I, look, I got time to do this. Here we go. I'm sick of fake stuff. Aren't you? I'm sick of stuff that's not real. I'm just fed up with church stuff that doesn't ring authentic with me. Aren't you? I want to come to church, and I want to feel something real and genuine. Don't you? I want to sense something authentic. If there's a watchword I want us to keep in mind at LifePoint Church, it is the word R-E-A-L. Let's be real in what we do. Amen? Let's be real in who we are. Let's be real in what we do. And I, I, I've been in the ministry a long time. I've been in the church a long time. And I've just about seen everything you could imagine. And I guess the thing that's the biggest turnoff to me, the kryptonite to my joy, is stuff that's manufactured and, and hokey and I'm just going to say it's stupid in church. Church ought to be the greatest place in the world. It ought to be a place of creativity. It ought to be a place of fun. At the same time, it ought to be a place of great depth and gravitas. And above all things, it ought to be a place where our lives are transformed by the power of the gospel. Amen? <clears throat> Common sense Christianity. First point, be nice to people. Well, there's a, there's a deep thought, isn't it? I want to ask you a question. How hard is that? Just be nice to people. Be nice to people. Underneath this point, here we go. Had a tough week. Spread the misery. <laughs> this is the way a lot of Christians believe. If they've had a bad week, they just come to church and take it out on everybody. And it's not in big ways. Nobody expects you to come in here with a pitchfork and start jabbing people. Nobody expects you to come in here with MMA gloves and start taking on everybody, throwing them down, putting them in an arm bar. Nobody expects that. But it's the little things that we do. It's the little snippy things we do. It's the little attitude sometimes that creeps up out of our flesh pool. It's the, it's the edges of us that are not soft and malleable but are biting, hard-edged, a little bit bitter. The Bible says, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. If we don't guard our hearts, I'm going to tell you, the devil 
has a threefold plan. Yea, verily, I say a fourfold plan. Steal, kill, destroy, drag to hell with him when he goes. That's what he wants to do. If he can't drag you to hell, he will at least try to steal your joy so that, and I know a lot of us are never going to be out there sacrificing babies and drinking goat's blood to black candles. They're not going to do that. Satan doesn't care about that. What he does care about is if he can take your transmission out of gear and shift you into neutral so that you'll do the one thing, the two things that are listed in 2 Peter chapter 1, and that is be ineffective and unproductive. If Satan can get us there, he's done just about as much damage as he can do to the body of Christ. Because he hasn't just blasted you, he has eliminated all the effectiveness of your ministry and all the people you might have touched for Jesus Christ. And you might be sitting there going, I'm not sinning, I'm not doing anything wrong, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just done, man. I'm just, people aren't going to hurt me anymore. I'm just, I'm just done. I'm, <laughs> the devil has got you right where he wants you. Hurt and self-preserved. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ died over this and bled out willingly. When he hung on that cross, he could have spoken the word and 12 legions of angels come down. You calling me what? You say what, boy? You, call, you said what? If I'm the son of God, come down to the tree. Yeah, watch this. Yeah. I tell you what, if it had been me hanging up there, I'd have probably done that. That's why I wasn't Jesus. Yeah. Hey, come here and show these loud mouths who I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being honest. I'd have zapped them probably. That's why I'm not qualified to be God. (laughs) Don't spread the misery. Let God heal the wounds. Can you imagine the the last episode, this guy with the forklift? The whole warehouse fell down. I'd have just quit and walked away before I'd have dug through all that. I say that. One time I got hired hired by J.C. Penney to reorganize the entire warehouse in Lakeland, Florida. Me and a guy named Stan. I did Stan wrong. (laughs) I didn't mean to, but I did. We're in Bible college. We're in this dark warehouse. I mean, there was just stuff everywhere. We had to go. And we organized that thing, too. We were, they said it's going to take you all about a month to do this. We were done in like two weeks. One, one time, Stan was a big old guy. One time, I was, let's see how this happened. Yeah, I was up on the ladder. And I said, hey, Stan, I need some, some of those size 48 suits or whatever it was. And he, he walked like this far, reached around and got the suits. And while he was doing that, I just stepped down the ladder and went around the corner. And I was going to get something else. And I heard him scream, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I ran around and said, what is it? He said, oh, oh. And he knelt down and started crying. I said, what's wrong with you? He said, man, I just stepped away for a second. A big old huge guy. I just stepped away for a second. I came back and you were gone. I thought the rapture had occurred and I've been left. Oh, God. He prayed through. I mean, right there, he prayed through. It was one of the few times I prayed with somebody with a, with a smirk. Lord. <laughs> Next point underneath this. I am praying for your wicked husband is probably not going to result in a bonding experience. Listen, guys, we've got to be thoughtful about what we say to people. If there's a couple and the man's in church every Sunday and the woman's just not, she just doesn't show, she may be completely convinced she's okay with God. She may be going to church somewhere else. It may be an interim time. Be careful how we approach that husband and say, I'm praying for your wife that she'll get saved, you know. We've got to be careful. We've got to be careful about what we say. The Bible says that we're to give thought to our words. We had a 
we had, a, we had a preacher come through our church in South Carolina. This is a true story. And he, he couldn't see very well. He was visually challenged. And we had a man in the church that had really big feet. He wore like size 22 shoes. I'm talking about he could ski barefoot before it, happened, before it was a thing, you know. <clears throat> and the evangelist walked up behind him at the altar and laid his hands on the man and said, Father... I pray for this man and his two little children. I pray. <laughs> he had his feet sticking up, you know, and you kneel down, you know. It's like. We've got to be careful what we say to people. What we, we, We've already had this at our church, but, you know, I, I watched a preacher this past week preach a whole sermon on how anybody involved in a mixed marriage is going straight to hell. And I'm sitting there thinking, how do you know that, sport? You know? We've got to be careful about our judgmental attitudes. We've got to be careful that the Bible says don't judge. Let God judge. Now, we can take that too far. Somebody's sitting there with a porn magazine, a bottle of Jack Daniels, and a cigar, and, and, and cussing every breath, and walk up and say, man, let me pray with you. Don't judge me! I mean, everybody loves to say that, you know. We're not supposed to judge anybody, but the truth of the matter is we can judge the fruit, but we've got to be careful about the heart. You can't judge things you don't know. You can't judge things you don't know. And we shouldn't be so eager to judge. We should be a whole lot more eager to love. Next, I have a plan. I will be territorial over my ministry, run all help away, and force myself to do it all alone and burn out like a Disney firework. That's a great plan right there. Territorialism is something that should never be involved in a church in terms of the leadership of the church. Be thankful when you have somebody to help you. And if somebody miscommunicates something, for instance, if, if, you're, if you're called to show up someplace or, or, or you, know, you get to where you're supposed to be and and, and there's supposed to be two people helping you and nobody's there, instead of raging at the people who didn't show up and getting mad at, at as fire with them, how about let's extend a little grace? Now, I'm not saying this. I don't, if this has happened in the church, I don't even know it. But it does happen in churches. So if this happens, instead of being so full of rage and anger and frustration about it, let's extend some grace. The agenda here is that we all get to heaven. Isn't that right? That was kind of a weak amen on that. Y'all may wonder about that. It's like Jack Benny, somebody came up to him and pulled a gun on him and said, your money or your life? He said, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. (laughs) In the agenda that we all get to heaven? Listen, this is true in church. It's true in your marriage. It's true in your friendships. It's true at work. Every hill is not worth dying on. Every hill is just not worth dying on. If you have to go to battle, make sure it's worth what you're going to battle over. And be careful that we season everything we say with love. How many of you drive a vehicle? Raise your hand. How many of you get the oil changed in that vehicle from time to time? You know why you do that? You do that because if you don't do that, the motor will eventually go and weld itself together in one meaningless, worthless chunk of metal. Oil makes the gears work. That's just like the love of God and the grace of God. Oil in the machine of our lives makes relationships work. 
Maybe that's why the Bible says pour in the oil and the wine. I know that represents the Holy Spirit and the, and the blood of Jesus for healing. But maybe it, maybe it heals our heart too. Let's, let's try to be soft around the edges. Let's try to err on the side of graciousness. Let's try to make assumptions for the good rather than making assumptions for the bad. How? Yes. Oh, that was a good one. If you get territorial over your ministry, you know what? I've seen people get territorial over their ministry, have a bad attitude, complain about everything, run everybody off, and then have the unmitigated temerity to complain that nobody will help them. It's amazing. You know, one guy said that envy and jealousy is like drinking poison and hoping that your neighbor will die. (laughs) There's some truth in that. That's the same way being territorial in leadership is. We don't ever want to do this. We want to be inclusive of people in leadership. We want to be gracious toward one another. Hey, listen, I want to tell you something about church, okay? All of us here today could be doing anything we wanted to do. You could be anywhere you wanted to be today. You could be involved in anything you wanted. You could be at the beach with, with your toes in the sand. I know I just lost half of you right there. You could be at Cracker Barrel with pecan pancakes and syrup in front of you. I can't eat that anymore. I'm on a diet. If it tastes good, spit it out. That's my diet. (laughs) You could be anywhere you wanted to be, but you're in the house of God. And you know what? There's truth about this in the house of God. You know what we're doing here? Let me tell you what we're doing. Everything else in the world is temporary. What we're doing is eternal. This right now, right here, is the most important work going on on planet Earth. Every real church in America, I said every real church, What they're doing is the most important work on the planet. Don't ever let the devil talk you out of that. Next. It's about him, not me. I want to show you a video of an offering, and then we'll talk about it. Let me reiterate the title of this point. It's about him, not me. There is a thin line that separates freedom from drawing attention to ourselves. Now, I'm just going to tell you, as a pastor of this church, I would never tolerate the little man's dance. That's just too much, my opinion. And I get to make that call because I'm the pastor. I'd be sweet about it, and I'd be loving about it. But... There comes a time 
when instead of glorifying God and worshiping Him in freedom, we're actually drawing attention to ourselves. And that is counterproductive. You know, life is filled with boundary lines. And we have to know where they are. When we, when we cross boundaries that are in place for proprietary reasons, we move into the arena of improprietary conduct. And in church, those lines are often very finely drawn. And the Bible says that we're to be led by what? The Spirit. I, I'm, I'm glad nobody came up here this morning and did the offering twerk. I'm just glad of that. Because I don't want to have to have that conversation. You know, a, a pastor earns his entire salary for the entire year having one conversation like that. And you go home and you're so drained, it's, it's unbelievable. Now, I have had some strange things happen in church. When we were over on the Bright Star property one day, and it's the only time I've been in the ministry over 30 some odd years, and the only sermon I've ever preached on death. This day I'm preaching on death. What happens about death? You know, how do we respond to the death of a loved one? It was a very serious service. And that's the, su- that's the Sunday that two ladies decided to come in with banners and flags and involve themselves in the laughter movement. I'm preaching on death, and they're just sniggling and giggling over there. And they're sitting right over there. And during worship, they got their flags and their banners. I didn't say anything about that, you know. Okay, fine, you know, banner and flag, as long as you don't wrap the ribbon around somebody's neck and snatch them, you know. But I'm preaching on death, and they're laughing. This is not appropriate. Listen, I'm going to talk about the laughter movement that came through back in the 80s. That was not of God. And I don't have to go sense it. I don't have to go check it out. I don't have to go, I don't have to go see for myself. I know because of five words that that's not of God. What does the Bible say? There is no manifestation of corporate, manic, uncontrollable laughter in Scripture by the, by the Holy Spirit. It's not in the Bible. If it's not patterned in Scripture, it's not God. I said, if it's not patterned in Scripture, it's not God. So I, I, tried to be, I tried to be gracious, and it worked, you know, always there on the side of grace. I was preaching, and I, just, I was talking about death, and I, I came over here, and while I got right here, and they were sitting right over there, I cut my mic off. I, I said, I hate to have to do stuff like that. But in that situation, they, they left me no choice. You're preaching on death. I mean, and they're not just over there sniffing. <laughs> you know. And I'll talk about pastors in a minute. We have a responsibility too. But we've got to be sure that what we do in church doesn't draw attention to ourselves. Now, ever since I started on this point, I have noticed everybody's gotten real quiet. This does not extend to saying amen to your preacher. All right, I'm not targeting you. Say amen if you want to. But we don't want to draw attention to ourselves unnecessarily. Just a word about prayer. You know, hey, I believe in intense prayer. I do. How many of y'all believe in intense prayer? Fervent prayer. Amen. But on the other, there comes a point where it seems like we're checking God's hearing aids, you know. God's not hard of hearing, guys. And look, I believe in praying loud. But there's praying loud, and then there's praying loud, you know. And, and those are the lines I'm talking about. You know, it's like you've got to be wise and prudent and discretionary in these things and be led by the Spirit. If we're led by the Spirit, we won't have to worry about these things. Amen? 
And now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. My friends, I'll say it clear. I'll state my case, of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full. I've traveled each and every byway. But more, much more than this, I did it my way. My Way was an Elvis song, not part of the worship set. We shouldn't have a theme song in church as My Way. Well, I had a youth pastor one time, and one of the first things he told the young people was, Look, we're not doing anything that I don't want to do. I don't care what you want to do. We're going to do what I like to do. I did it My Way. That's not how you run a youth ministry. Thank God for Brad and Rhiannon who don't do that. They do what the kids like. And they teach the kids what God likes. You can do both. They're not mutually exclusive. Paul and the apostles lived their entire lives for other people. For Christ and then for other people. We cannot just love God. We have to love what God loved and that's people. That's unsaved people. That's mean people, cantankerous people, confrontational people, attitudinally maladjusted people that you want to take a crowbar and teach some manners. we got to love those people. There's a verse, a couple of them. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. Though I'm free and belong to no one, Paul writes, I have made myself a slave to everyone. Why? To win as many as possible. To the Jews... I become like a Jew to win the Jews. Paul's not talking about changing who he is and changing his belief system. He's talking about relating to people sensibly. Can you relate to people? To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. We do not do things with a focus on us. We do things with a focus on us on other people. Listen, we do what we do in this church to an audience of one, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. But beyond that, we're here to serve the people that Jesus died for. And I want to tell you that includes people we don't know yet. Amen? And people we used to know. We've got to be good forgivers. You know that? If you're going to have a successful marriage... You're going to have to be a good forgiver. With the exception of me, I hardly ever have to forgive anything because my wife's angelic. <laughs> I'm, I'm being kind of serious, Sean. 
just blessed the most blessed man in the world. Now, look, I, I had a guy get offended with me. He came up to me and said, I'm sick of you talking about your marriage. Your marriage ain't all that. I started to just lay hands on him. But <laughs> like I said, <laughs> air on the side of grace. So it's like, <sighs> and I said, yes, it is. He said, no, it ain't. I said, yes, it is. I said, my marriage is everything I tell you it is. He said, well, you ought to stop talking about it. It makes people feel bad. I thought, you know, maybe it ought to make people realize that they can have the same thing. Then I threw him down and put him in an arm bar. No, I didn't. I'm joking. <clears throat> the next point I want to tell you is not on the board. I added these this morning in the green room. Well, the one is, but one's not. Uh, our kids do not have halos. This is up there. Our kids do not have halos. Can, can I just tell you that your children are not perfect? You know how I know that? Because I had to. And they weren't perfect neither. So when something happens in children's church or the nursery, and again, don't, if you're a guest here, your first time, please don't take this as, as internal maintenance within the church. Uh, we're not having these issues. But uh, an ounce of prevention, like toothpaste. If we have an altercation in the nursery or the, or the, or the children's ministry and somebody got bit by another kid, Anybody ever have biters, nibblers? I was a biter. I went through a stage when I was a little kid. I liked to bite. I don't remember who it was, but I bit them right on the backside. I mean, I drew blood. They just screamed and hollered. in church, of course. I might have been three, four, something like that. Why do kids want to bite people? I don't know. I tell you what, they learned it young, too. Violet, she's just got two little teeth down here. And she's just got gums up there. She can bite the out of you with two little teeth and gums. How does she do that? It's like... I mean, Jeremy's got a mastiff in the house with me, and he's gentler than Violet. Girl can bite. I pray for y'all that she doesn't grow up to be a biter. But if you go down there and, and one kid's bitten your, your kid or your kid's bitten another kid or there's been an altercation over a toy, you know kids never fight on, uh, over toys or boxes. That's the most frustrating thing about Christmas. You spend all this money and you buy all this stuff and then your kids come in and want to play with the box that came in. Don't automatically assume that your child can do no wrong. Is that good? Let's be honest. Let's be truthful. Let's be reasonable. Let's have common sense. Kids are going to be kids. So our kids don't have halos. And the next thing I want to say is, Pastor, and I hope pastors are listening to this somewhere, you need to love and respect and invest in your leaders. God did not give you the pulpit and the position of pastor so that you could be an authoritarian bully in your church. And I'm going to tell you something, Pastor, if you don't know it yet, Sometimes people are going to say things and do things that are going to hurt your feelings. Welcome to the real world. The people in the seats and the pews go through that every single week just like we do. It does not give us the right to, in a moment of emotion, unload on somebody. We're supposed to be the ones who set the standard for behavior. So I implore you, pastors, stay prayed up, stay in the presence of God, and in the moment, and you know these things always happen in the moment. In the moment of high emotion, that's when we need to reign in the flesh and let the grace of God operate through us. 
There are very, 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 47 more times, few instances in the ministry where a pastor has the right to really get in somebody's face. Very, very few. Very few. Only, only in a situation of literal pugilistic self-defense, maybe. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't hear me wrong. If, if somebody breaks in my house at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm not going to extend to them the right hand of fellowship. I'm going to introduce them to Jesus. So love and respect and investment does not mean weakness. It means that we understand what meekness is. It means that we operate in grace. It means that we are thinking about others and we're trying to exude the love of Christ. Every single follower of Jesus Christ and the disciples except John died and was martyred for their faith. And they tried to kill John. He just wouldn't die. Stubborn goat, they boiled him and he wouldn't die. So they put him on an island where he couldn't hurt anybody and couldn't get in touch with anybody. And he wrote Revelation. (laughs) I love John. Next, 100% of church growth comes from, wait for it, visitors. Watch this. Hi, I'm John. Hey, I'm Tyler. Is this your first time here? Yeah, it is. Hey, everyone! A visitor! I got a visitor! Hey, how's it going? Are you new here? Hey, how's it Hi. going? I'm just so glad that you could... Hey, I'm Tyler. How are you? Hi, I'm John. Yes, is this your first time here? Y- yes. Oh, glad you could be here. What do you like to... You know, my wife and I, we'd love to have you and your wife over for dinner. Oh, Maybe. That's so nice. Does, does tonight work? Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, Pastor Corey, he's been going through this series on how Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors, and I just feel like it'd be great to have you over. <laughs> Tyler? <laughs> hey, I'm Mike. Hi, I'm John. Hey, I'm Tyler, what's your name? Corey. Is this your first time here? Uh, I'm the pastor. Hi, my name's John. (laughs) Hi, I'm John. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Yeah, is this your first time here? This is my first time. Oh, this is great. We're so glad that you're here. Let's pray for you. Father in heaven, we pray for Krista, our new visitor here. We pray, Lord, that you would encourage her. We pray that you would... That's a a really nice toupee. (laughs) What toupee? Toupee? Uh... we've met before. Yeah, I'm Mike. Oh, great. Nice to meet you, Steve. Hey, Paul, let me introduce you to a new friend. It's Mike. This is uh, Bob. Hey, Bob. Hey, I'm Tyler. What's your name? Hi, I'm John. Mike, how's it going? Hey, what's up, man? Yeah. Hey, come over here. Okay, yeah, how's life doing? But... Do you have the time? Yeah. Do you get the time? 
930. Hi, my name is John. I don't think we've met before. Oh, hi, I'm Tyler. And yeah, this is my, this is my first time here. Well, it's great to see you. We're so glad that you've come and joined us today. I oh, appreciate it. Hey, I've got a couple friends over here. Why don't you come with me and let me introduce you to them. Okay. All right. a lot of that was over-exaggerated, but the truth is any degree of any one of those is damaging. We need to be thinking about how we can be on our very best behavior when people come in those front doors. 100% of church growth comes from visitors. Here's one, my plan is to only talk to people I know, so when they all die off, I'll be totally alone. (laughs) If that's your plan, to only talk to people you know and everybody in the church has that, has that mentality work through the DNA of their spirit. Our church will never grow beyond what it is right now. But if we will decide, my plan is to talk to every single person I'm not sure I know. I will give you one, one thing that got me one time. I, I, I blew it pretty good. I, I had a little trick I used to use. If I couldn't remember somebody's name, I'd ask them how to spell it. So I went up to this guy with a little notebook in my hand. I said, man, I'm taking some prayer requests. I said, how do you spell your name? He said, Bob. <laughs> I said, is that B-A-H-B, B-A-U-B? <laughs> that didn't work too well, so be careful. It's sometimes best just to be honest. Say, look, I'm terrible with names. Help me. What's your name again? It's just okay. How many of y'all have trouble with names? Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Just be honest. These little clever little tricks don't always work. I was recently on a trip, and I stopped at a QT truck stop. I walked in the front door, and the guy behind the register said, Hey, welcome to QT. I said, Thank you. I walked around the corner, headed to the restroom. Man in the, in the aisle said, Hey, can I help you find anything? I said, Nope, I'm good. Went into the restroom, came back out. The guy smiled at me and said, you doing okay today? I said, yeah, I'm doing good. Employees. Got me a cup of coffee, walked up to the counter. The guy said, is that all? Would you like anything else? Can I get something for you? I said, no, I'm good. I said, okay, that'll be a dollar or whatever it was. He said, hey, you have a great day. Thanks for coming to QT. Professional. The place was immaculate. Everybody was friendly, over-the-top friendly. I thought to myself when I went out to the car, I thought, man, that's how a customer ought to be greeted at a truck stop. A couple hours later, I stopped at another truck stop. I walked in. There was a man right by the front door leaning up on the counter. He looked at me like this. He went. I looked at him. I said, how you doing? He went. He worked there. Didn't say Kiss my foot? Nothing. If this is back in the Old West, no, I'm not even going to say that. I'm not going to tell you what I would have done. Lord, help me conquer my flesh. <laughs> I just didn't say anything. Went on around him, walking past the front counter, and the woman back there is complaining about the man. And they're bickering at each other. They're both employees, and she's... She's using the Lord's name in vain. She's dropping the F-bomb. She's using every derivative of sailor, sailor language you can imagine. And I'm sitting there, my, my left ear is wilting listening to this, you know. My hair is falling out. My beard's singeing. 
The place is dirty. It's un- unkempt. The, sh- the shelves aren't stocked. It has a, a little funky, stale smell to it. I got in there. I got my little stuff. I left. I got back in the car, and I thought, wow. Pretty much the same junk is available for sale at both these truck stops. But I will never go to that truck stop again. I'm on the road. I'm going to go to QT. Now, I'm not making a shameless plug for QT, and they're not sponsoring me in this message. (laughs) But if you want to, you can send us. Um, But I'm telling you, it's, it's so much about how the people in the corporate environment or the church environment or the gym or the neighborhood or whatever. It's so much about, about the vibe we give off, about how we treat people. This is not rocket science. This is common sense. Be nice to people. I know we have a warm, loving church, and I know we are nice to people, but I want us all individually to just up the ante on that. Amen? Amen. Because I want our church to flourish and grow, and 100% of church growth comes from visitors. Next, oh, honey, wasn't it fantastic hearing all those church members gossiping, complaining, and criticizing in the foyer? Said no visitor ever! Please be careful what you talk about in the foyer and in the sanctuary. Be careful. And let me, let me just say this. I know all of us, let me, let me rephrase that. I'm, I know most all of us are probably conservative in our political views. But just in case there's somebody who's not that's come to visit our church, can we be a little prudent about what we say and how we say it? Can we, can we be careful of graphic videos we're showing our buddy? On, online man look at this they stoned this person to death you seen this yet you know people don't don't want to see that in the house of God look at this crash on the motorcycle not knowing her teenage son just died two months ago in a motorcycle crash I mean let's let's be thoughtful and that hasn't happened but I'm saying let's be thoughtful about what we do I'm not saying there's nothing we can talk about nice weather huh yeah but let's just let's just be prudent and wise and, and, and let me just say one other thing. Please don't mistake our time here and what its use and purpose is. I, I'm going to say this to you, and I say it in love, but the world doesn't revolve around us. People don't want to stand in the lobby and hear you talk to somebody about your marriage problems or about this big boil on your back. I mean, you know, I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. Let's give thought to what we say. Let's be prudent and wise about how we conduct ourselves in the house of God. Did you know God, and I'm going to tell you this, and people don't believe it, but it's true. You can call it anything you want to, but this is just the stone cold truth. God himself killed more of his own people over this right here than anything else. Complaining. And God did kill his own people. God did it. So... Last thing I want to touch on today, Dave, if you'll come play. We must grow beyond our self-interests, and we must look to the needs of others. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24 says, No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. What happens sometimes is that we, as Christians, see these videos, and we hear these stories of extreme behavior, and we think, Oh, well, I'm not that bad. It's okay. I show you these extreme videos and, and these extreme behavior models and tell you stories of, of crazy stuff that people do in church. 
not so that you'll feel better about what you do, but so that we'll be prompted to circumspectly do some inventory about how we conduct ourselves in and among the body of Christ and out in public. And out in public. Pastor Donna and I went to a church years and years and years ago. They had asked us to come sing and preach. So we went there and I played the piano and we sang and we sang to some tracks. And Pastor Donna had on this beautiful purple dress. And the dress came down well below her knees. And it was scalloped on the bottom, very modest, covered her up all over. But the sleeve of the dress had a little slit in it like that. So you could, you could barely see like an inch of her shoulder skin right there. That was all. Not low cut, not cut in the back. You know, nothing, no flashing lights, no whirly gigs, nothing. Just a little dress, you know. So we did worship, and I preached, and God moved. And after the service, this little woman came marching down the aisle, looked like a German staff officer, held out her hand, her holy bun up there. Brother Roland, I appreciate your message. I enjoyed your ministry, but I'd have enjoyed it a lot more if your wife wasn't so naked. And she said it just about that loud. Well, I, I never had anybody insult me and my wife. I'm very protective over Donna. I, I started armbar. I'm thinking armbar, you know. <laughs> Shot to the throat, you know, side. You know. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. But boy, here came the pastor. Hey, Brother Roland, let me just take you over here. He, 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 I guess he could see the red going up here. And I, this woman had a voice like Ethel Merman. How many of you know who that is? Ethel Merman never used a microphone no matter where she sang because her voice was that loud. This was Ethel Merman, too. I'd enjoy your ministry better if your wife wasn't so naked. How do you respond to that? That is naked? Boy, I tell you what. If that's naked, nowadays every man in the world is going to hell over lust. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Think about that. Now, a message like this today seems internalized. It seems very pastoral. It seems like we're doing church maintenance, but we're not. The heart of this message is one word, evangelism. Because you are never going to reach people you disrespect. Listen to me. We're never going to reach people we ignore. We're never going to reach people we offend unnecessarily. I know you can't make everybody happy. I know there are some people that just come in armed and dangerous. They're a walking nerve ending. Anything you say or do, the vibrations of the molecules in the air are going to make them mad. You're not going to get everybody. But let's minimize any kind of damage or responsibility that we have from the pastor on down. And pastors, leaders, we need to set the example of grace and love and affirmation and acceptance in our church. We are not to be authoritarian bullies who run roughshod over people's emotions and spirit. If it's within your power, you ought to make all your leaders, pastor, leader, you ought to make the leaders underneath you feel like they can conquer the world that they're some of the most important people in life to you because the truth is they are. Man, I treasure the leaders in this church. We have two or three leadership meetings every month. 
and we invest in our leaders and we treasure and honor our leaders. We love them and we appreciate the sacrifice and, and the time. And, and I, I know in any relationships, there's going to come moments where there may be disagreements or, you know. How many of y'all like mint chocolate chip ice cream? Yeah, Pastor Donna does too. Did you know this is true? That's the only ice cream flavor that pigs won't eat. That's the truth. I'm not calling you a pig. I'm just saying... I'm just saying different strokes for different folks. I just can't stand mint chocolate chip. For me, it just doesn't do anything. I just soon have a potted meat milkshake. I mean, I just, you know, ah. But some people like it. So there's going to be differences of opinion. We can live with that. I've had 37 years of absolute joy with this woman, and I've never eaten mint chocolate chip ice cream with her. She knows I hate it. I know she loves it. We're okay with that. Why can't we be okay with each other's differences of opinion? Why can't we live together and have different ideas? Why can't there be grace? And I'm going to tell you something else. And I, I just feel the Spirit of the Lord prompting me to say this to you. If you have mistreated somebody in the last two or three months at this church as your pastor, I want to encourage you and urge you to walk up to them today before you leave if they're here. If not, go straight home and call them on the phone and apologize to them. Chirp, chirp, chirp. Take two. If in the last few months you've offended somebody or been careless or been a little edgy, and I know, we look at, well, I just, you just don't know what I've been through. Remember the video I showed you to start this out? Spread the misery. For all you know, their week may have been worse than yours. Call them up. Walk up to them face to face. You know what that's called? Can I just tell you what that's called? When somebody who's done something wrong owns it, and they walk up and they say, I'm sorry, I was... R-. Remember how Fonzie on Happy Days couldn't say I was wrong? He'd go, you know, man, I was... R-. He couldn't get it out. Christians have that same problem. We need to be able to say I was wrong. You know what that's called? Here's what it's called. Maturity. And it will help us all. Now, what percentage of people of, of church growth comes from visitors? 100%. 100%. This whole message is about reaching people. Not just here, but at work. This message goes to work with you. This message... Because if, if you come here and, you all ni- and, and they see you all nice and smiley and sweet, and, but they go to work and, and they come in your, your store, you know, and, and, and you, you act like Attila the Hun... That's going to resonate cognitive dissonance with them. It's going to seem insincere. I challenge you today to let the love of Christ heal your heart. Now listen, there are wounded people under the sound of my voice today. I know it because we've all been there. And I want to tell you something about wounds. I want you to listen to me because I'm closing. I will warn you, Paul said, finally my brothers, and wrote a whole chapter. So it's okay. But I am really closing. I'm, I'm coming in. Healed, healed people heal people. Hurt people hurt people. Let's all stand.